lives if we truly did believe all I have is you. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this day, for this hour, for this moment that we come before you. God, as we sang that song, all we have, Lord, is you. May that penetrate our hearts. May it penetrate our souls. May it penetrate our thought process. May it penetrate the way we live everyday life. All I have is you. Thank you for your love, Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be talking about discipleship today and What's some of the things that come to mind when you first think of the word discipleship? And we probably all have a lot of different words that come to mind when we think of discipleship. Maybe it's a program like Sunday school. Maybe it's a small group study that you have outside of the church in a home. Maybe it's an investment. For some of us, it brings about fear. For some of us, it's, well, isn't that our pastor's job? Isn't that our Sunday school teacher's job to disciple us and to to help grow us and to lead us. So what comes to mind when we think of discipleship? What does that really look like? What does that mean? And I want us to look at that today. And I want us to just ponder on that word, discipleship, to really think about who does it apply to. The Great Commission says that we are all to make disciples. There's a reason that it's called the Great commission because it includes all of us it's not singular it's all of us are a part of discipleship it doesn't exclude one believer from another it's not because you're gifted in this way or not gifted in that way no he says if you were a believer if you're one of my children you are called to discipleship but in history things have have led and we believe and taught and over history we've come to this place of believing that well no that's the pastor's job or no that's the Sunday school teacher's job you know where did that come from think about it a misplaced comma or a comma left out altogether can completely change everything can it look at the screen maybe you've seen this t-shirt punctuations matter let's eat grandma or let's eat grandma it completely changes everything when the comma is left out in that some of you may have that t-shirt that you wear. But I want us to look in scripture at this comma that oftentimes leads to this place of believing that it's the pastor's job or that it's the Sunday school teacher's job to do discipleship. Now, we all know that Paul used what translation of the Bible? King James Version, right? Most of us grew up on the King James Version. A lot of us, that's all that we use. But there's this one place in King James Version in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And this is going to show us what a comma, the effects that a comma can have on the church even today. And it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man, into the measure of the stature of the faithfulness of Christ. So according to this scripture that we just read, there are three things that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to do. One is that they are to perfect the saints. They are to equip the saints. Two is they are to do the, the work of the ministry. And three, they are to edify the body of Christ. And we get those three things because of where the comma is placed in that scripture, in that translation. But let's go to the original Greek translation and let's read the exact same scripture in the original Greek translation. And it says it this way, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, no comma, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So according to what we just read, without the comma from the original Greek, what is uh, to equip the believers is to do the work of the ministry for the building up for the Christ. So a pastor's job, a Sunday school teacher's job, an apostle's job, and a, an evangelist's job is to equip the believers to do what? To do the work of the ministry. It's to equip the believers to evangelize. It's to equip the believers to disciple. It's to equip the believers to do the work of the ministry. One comma. One comma. And it changes the way we read, the way we look at things, the way the church for years has operated. The way that we oftentimes in our own hearts believe discipleship is and how discipleship looks. It's one of the reasons it's easy for us to say, well, isn't that their job? You know, isn't that what God's equipped them to do? Isn't that their spiritual gift? But no, God has called all of us to this one place, to this one calling, to this one commandment, to this great commission, to go and to make disciples. Oftentimes what we want to do is we want to think, well, when I'm mature enough, then I will start doing the ministry that God has called me to. The problem with that is, is that ministry doesn't come about because of our maturity our maturity comes about because of our ministry. When we begin to disciple others, that's when we will also begin to grow. When we start doing ministry, that's when we will mature in who God is and in God's Word. If we wait until we're mature enough to start doing ministry, none of us will ever do ministry, will we? And it's a hard place to come to that realization in our lives because it's easy for us to say, you know, I, I, whenever I, I know enough or when I'm not going to say something wrong or I'm not going to mislead somebody or I'm not going to do this. I was at deer camp this last week and I was hanging out with several buddies and I was asking them, what does discipleship look like to you? And we were discussing that and I was asking them, when did somebody start speaking into your life? When was that individual, who was that individual that at what point in your life did you begin being discipled by someone else? Not just your pastor, not just your Sunday school teacher, but that someone. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was an aunt and uncle. Maybe it was that person in your church that just took time and invested in you and discipled in you. And then I took the question even further and I asked them, I said, who have you done that for? 
Who have you been a disciple to? At what point did you come to that place where you said, I need to be discipling someone else. I need to be doing those things. And every one of them, I haven't. Every one of them, the comment was made back to me is, I'm not where I need to be spiritually and able to be able to minister to someone else spiritually. But that's not at all what God tells us, is it? God says he equips us, doesn't he? God tells us that in those moments, he gives us the words that we need in those moments. We have to rely on him, not our own knowledge, not our own abilities, not when, not when the timing is right. And it's very dangerous because we can use that as a cop-out in our lives to not do the Great Commission, to go and to make disciples. I want us to look at some statistics today. And these are, this research was done by Ed Setzer, and they're going to be on the screen. And it says 41% of American Protestant churchgoers do not attend small groups or, um, that are offered by their church. 41% of American Protestant churches today do not attend small groups offered by their church. 42% of American Protestant churchgoers intentionally spend time with other believers in order to help them grow in their faith. 42%. 54% of American Protestant churchgoers set aside time daily to a few times a week for private worship, praise, or thanksgiving to God. This is not including prayer. 25% of American Protestant churchgoers say they have shared their faith once or twice. 14% have shared three or more times over the last six months. 19% of American Protestant churchgoers read the Bible every day. Are we bothered by these statistics? We should be. It should bother us. We should look at these statistics and ask ourselves why. But we should also look at these statistics and look at ourselves and say, am I part of that statistic? Am I one of those people who I've never shared my faith with someone else? I've never talked to someone else about what God has done for me. Am I one of those people that I pick up the Bible on Sunday mornings, I read along with the preacher, I read along in Sunday school, or maybe I'm a Sunday school teacher, I read the Bible when I'm preparing for my Sunday school lesson. Or maybe I'm a pastor, I read the Bible when I'm preparing for a sermon. But we're not in the Word day in and day out. We're not seeking out His truths in our lives. In the moments of goodness and in the moments of bad, we're not seeking out those truths all the time. 19% read the Bible every day. Those are staggering to me to think about. That's not very many when you consider that we as an American culture would consider ourselves a Christian culture. That a lot of people would say, I'm a churchgoer, I'm a church member. Those are staggering to me to think about. But then I look at the other problem that we oftentimes run into when it comes to discipleship. And I want us to look at a scripture in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And we looked at how one misplaced comma can affect our outlook on discipleship. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And it says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you for the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid. Uh, you, you need milk, not solid food. According to these statistics, probably most people fall into this scripture, don't they? According to these script, this, this statistics, most of us, we're still drinking milk. We are not eating solid foods when we should be teaching. And that's not, this scripture is not referring to that we need everybody to become Sunday school teachers. No, this scripture is referring to discipleship. This scripture is referring to the investment in someone else's life. And coming to that place and just getting to know someone and building a friendship with them and investing in them and sharing what God has done in your life with them and sharing the struggles that you've gone through, the struggles that you're in at this moment. Those things are discipleship. There's accountability in those things. We need those things in our lives. We need those people in our lives that we can disciple and be a part of. What an amazing thing to think about I want you to stop for a moment and think about that person in your life that discipled you that person in your life that that took time to just hang out with you that took time to listen to where you were that was interested in where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ for some of us we may not have that person. For some of us, it may have been that grandparent. For me, I can look back on my life as a, as a child and I can see an uncle and a grandfather who when they would take me hunting and fishing, they would talk to me about God's creation. They would talk to me about the work that God is doing around us and how amazing God is. But I didn't have somebody early on in my life that talked to me about struggles about how to overcome struggles, about struggles in their lives or those things. Those were those things you just didn't talk about. Those those things you didn't share. It wasn't until I was in college that I had a music minister from my home church, and he was only with us for every six months. He was an interim guy, and he worked at the Baptist building. Brother Moe's Dangerfield was his name, and he's passed away. But he would drive. I was at William Carey here in Hattiesburg, and he would drive from Jackson, and he would take me to lunch. And he would just listen and say, Scott, what are some struggles that you're having right now? Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you in your Bible study time? Where are you in your devotional time? And then he would share with me, hey, I had that same struggle at this time in my life. And this is what God showed me through those things. An amazing time. Now, I didn't appreciate it in my life at that time. But now looking back on it, I'm so grateful for the most danger fields in life. I'm so grateful for those people who will just take us and spend time with us hunting or fishing or shopping at the mall or just taking us to lunch or whatever that may look like to just invest in us and just say, let me share with you some of these things. Where are you? Hold us accountable. Ask us the tough questions. Where are we in those things? Because this scripture, I want to read it to us again, verse 12. And it says, in fact, though, it is th though, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. I desire, I desire to be able to know that when I come before God, 
he can feed and lay at his on my plate solid foods that he can entrust me with his work that he can entrust me with everything that he has called me to be as a disciple maker that i am actively seeking out discipleship in my life and actively seeking out others to disciple in my life i desire that more than anything and it's a daily process it's a daily walk it's a daily work but we can achieve that we can come to that place i want us to look at a model that jesus had with his disciples and this model is going to be on the screen and it's that he led while the disciples watched he led while the disciples helped he helped while the disciples led and he watched while the disciples led think about that for a moment the model that Jesus Christ himself, that he took to spread the gospel to the world, was investing in 12 men, wasn't it? In a small group of people. And he led, he led while the disciples watched. He led while the disciples helped. He helped while the disciples led. And he watched while the disciples led. That's what we need. That's what discipleship looks like. We give each other those opportunities to go out. We give each other those opportunities to fail. We give each other those opportunities to watch us work and to see God at work in us. You know, the disciples didn't always do it right, did they? You know, there was a story where the disciples were trying to cast out a demon out of these people, and they were going, and then Jesus comes and they were like, why can't we cast out this demon? You know, what's going on? We've done this before. Why are we not able to do this now? Jesus walked through that with them. He didn't just go, well, it's because you're not me. He didn't say, well, maybe one day when you arrive to who I am, then maybe. No. Jesus walked with them and helped them understand what it looked like to be a follower of Christ to grow in maturity in him. He allowed them those fail moments. There was other times that he sent them out in groups of two. And he told them, he let them know up front, he said, there are going to be those who shut the door in your face. But he said, dust the, feet off, dust the dust off your feet and keep on going. And it's the same thing in discipling others. There are going to be those that we desire to disciple. There are going to be those that we desire to come alongside. And they're not going to want to hear it. And they're not going to want accountability in their lives. They're not going to want to be discipled. We've got to just dust off our feet. And we've got to keep going. God hasn't forgot about that person. There may be someone later down the road that God is able to use to disciple them. But we can't get bogged down in those moments of feeling like all of this investment, all of these things that I've done is for naught. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep going. I want us to watch a video, and it says about a church, and J.R. Vassar is the church planner's name, and he started this church. And I want us to just look at the heart of discipleship that this church has. And we're going to see some of what this church does, but we're going to hear from some of their church members in an interview about just the heart of what discipleship looks like in their community.
I know Pastor Scott's heart is to equip all of us to go and be disciple makers, to not just wait until we come to church on Sunday morning to teach a Sunday school class, to not just wait till we come to church on Sunday morning to sit in corporate worship or to sit in a Sunday school classroom to be disciple, but to become disciple makers, to have people that are speaking into our lives and to be speaking into other people's lives. One of my greatest couple relationship friendships, maybe couple's not the right word to use, but friendships in scripture is Paul and Timothy. I am a true believer that we are all called to be Pauls in people's lives, but we are also all called to have Timothys in our lives. We need people to speak into our lives, and we need to be speaking into other people's lives. Every single one of us, if we are a believer, if we know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we should desire this. We should desire to have that person or those people, that community. Think about when Paul went into any town. He didn't just go in and just preach and just be done. No, he went and he formed relationships with people. He had friends in all of these towns. We see in his letters his love for the churches that he had started and his love for people that he had pastored and his love for communities. Even some of those who had fallen away. He continued to ask for prayer for those people. And that's a model that I believe that we should champion, that we should be about day in and day out of our lives. This model of community, this model of seeking out somebody in our lives, this model of go wherever we go, whether it's the workplace, start praying, God, show me the person in my workplace that I can become a Paul to. Or God, show me that person in my workplace that God, they can speak into my life, that I can become their Timothy. Show me the person in my church that I can become a Paul to, or show me the person in our church that I can become a Timothy to. We all need those people. And begin by praying that God would reveal those people, those relationships would just come about. Those relationships would just form. There have been Pauls in my life that they had no clue that they were Pauls in my life. There have been Pauls in my life that I just watched them from a distance. And I could see God at work in their lives and I could see God doing things and I just watched and listened and learned. And they had no idea the impact that they were making in my life, but they were Pauls for me. I was a Timothy to them from a distance. Then there have been other people in my life that have made intentional purpose to invest in me or to allow me to invest in them. They've sought that out in their lives. We all need this. And when I watched this church in New York City and I watched the people, they said, we just want everything that we do. We want to give our very best. They weren't saying, well, one day when I'm able to give my very best. No, they were saying, I'm going to give my very best today. And it may not look like your very best, but I'm giving my very best today. At right now, right here, where I am, in my workplace, in the people that God has put around me, and the influences that I can have on others. I am giving my very best. Not so that people can praise me, but so that God can be glorified. 
so that people can see who he is day in and day out in our lives. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for the people around you? Would it transform lives? I believe it would. I believe that's what discipleship does. We look at the early church. It says that they went out in their day and they, and the, they were added to daily. It wasn't that they were inviting people to church so they could come and hear Peter preach. No, they were going out. They were disciple making. And then they were bringing these believers back to the church with them. And they were a part of the church and a part of the body. Imagine if that was our mindset day in and day out for discipleship. We have a study coming down the pipe that we're going to be starting pretty soon. It's called Kazon, and it's all about finding our, our vision, finding our direction, finding our spiritual gifts that we have in our lives. And that is a Hebrew word for direction, a Hebrew word for, for vision, Kazon. And it's about finding that Kazon in our lives. And we want to help equip you to know what your strengths are, what God has given you. But a whole 2018, Pastor Scott is going to really be pushing on us what it looks like to grow in the Lord. And I think the very greatest, the very thing of growing in the Lord is doing ministry, not sitting and being taught. It's going and doing, it's going and making disciples. It's not just waiting till I have all the knowledge that I need. It's not the seminary degrees. It's not all of those things. No, it is just being where God has called you to be and giving your very best right now, right here, today, in this place, with the people that God has surrounded you with at that moment, this moment. That is growth. So my challenge to us is I want you to think about the people in your life. I want you to begin praying today that God would reveal to you a Paul. That God would reveal to you someone that can speak into your life, even if it's from a distance. That God would show you that person that leads that life, not a perfect life, not this life that is just will never achieve, but no life. And that we see them seeking after the Lord daily. We see their struggles. We see their their high moments. We see their mountaintops. We also see their valleys. Begin praying for that person today. Then I also challenge you to pray for the Timothy in your life. Who is that person that you today can begin investing in? That you today can begin a relationship with? and learning who they are and what they're about, living life with that person. Maybe it's a person in this church. Maybe it's a person in your workplace. But that God would show you that Timothy in your life, that you can champion discipleship daily in who you are. What will that look like? So that is my challenge today for each one of us, for myself for all of us to, to seek out those people. I'm going to pray for us, and during this time, our encouragers are going to come forward, and our staff are going to come and be here at the front. And if any of you would like to come to the altar and just 
begin praying for that person. Maybe the altar is right there in your seat, but we want you to know that this is open, that this stage is open for as an altar to pray that God would reveal to you that day. Maybe you're willing to accept that challenge right now, and that you would begin praying for that person, that Timothy and that Paul in your life. You know, Paul tells Titus, he tells him as he goes into the church um, in, in Crete, he tells him, he says, you know, teach the older people to speak into the younger people's lives. Teach them to watch and to listen, to be a part of that. We need those people in our lives. So I challenge you as you seek out, though Paul's and Timothy, don't just seek out your buddies that are your age and that have like-mindedness to you. No, seek out the person that God would have for you. Seek out those older people who've walked through that place in life. Seek out those people in your life that have already been there. They've done that. They, they understand what the outcome of some of those decisions will be. And they can minister to you and disciple you in those moments. Seek out those people. Seek out those younger people in your lives that you can minister to, that you can disciple, that you can be appalled to. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you.